Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. FedEx Forum, Growl Towels, Super Grizz, each one a Memphis Grizzlies tradition. This is the Grizzlies Podcast. Welcome back to the Commercial Appeals Memphis Grizzlies Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, Commercial Appeal Sports columnist. I'm joined by DeMichael Cole, uh, the Commercial Appeals Memphis Grizzlies beat writer. Uh, the playoffs are finally almost here. Um we now know the Grizzlies will t- be taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves in the first round of the playoffs. We are going to break it all down for you, get you ready for game one Saturday afternoon at FedEx Forum. Um, it's, a, it's a really exciting time for this team and this city and the franchise because, you know, it's, the, it's, it's the, potentially the beginning of some, you know, a, a really special run. Um, and, and probably those listening to this remember the last time the Grizzlies went on a special run and how much that, you know, how much it resonated, how much it meant, how much it still means. Um, and here we are on the cusp of, you know, what hopefully is a lot of, uh, years in which, uh, you go into the playoffs going, man, if things break right, you know, if things break right, we can really, uh. We could we could do this. Um, you know, that's sort of the feeling I have with these Grizzlies. You know, I, they're not the favorite to win a title. You know, I, heck, there's people picking against them in this Timberwolves series. Um, chances are they won't make the NBA Finals, but they're one of those teams where you go, well, you know, if things break right, they could do this, and that's where you want to be as a franchise, um, ultimately. And the franchises that are in that position year after year after year, those are the ones that usually break through. Um, and so here is the Grizzlies with, you know, first shot in that territory with this current iteration, this current roster, the John Morant era. So um, it is uh, that's that's why I'm excited uh, DeMichael. Um going into this one, though. As you watch the end of the regular season play out, we saw the return of John Morant uh, there in the second to last game. Um, what sort of, in terms of the overarching view of this series and the start of these playoffs, um, what are you most looking forward to seeing from this Grizzlies team? You know, there's a lot of talk about how their style of play translates to the postseason. So, that's that's the main thing I want to see, Mark. You know, every because we talk about how every team, you know, is going to up their hustle, is going to up their effort. So um, those loose balls recovered that the Grizzlies dominated, the deflections, the turnovers, transition points. You know, teams are aren't going to be taking as many transitions fouls. You know, they're going to be running back. You know, trying to get back. How will that 
you know, impact them. And and I want to see that. I don't think it'll have, a, you know, a great impact on the things that have gone, gone on throughout the season. But but that's one thing that I'm interested in seeing. And then, you know, just how this team handles this from a mental perspective, too. You know, playing the same team over and over and over. And, and it's kind of crazy that the first test, it's a good thing that the first test is the Timberwolves because, you know, we've seen, you know, the Timberwolves, like how they celebrated that win against the Clippers or when they beat the Lakers, you know, in that last meeting, you know, Carl Anthony Towns waving bye-bye to those players, Patrick Beverly, you know, taunting uh, Russell Westbrook and and LeBron and, and, and that whole thing. You know, they do their, their own talking too. You know, we've seen the Grizzlies do their talking. The Timberwolves talk too. So from a mental perspective, you know, how do they handle that? Do they get lost in the game or do they, you know, you know, just dust it off because, you know, it's Patrick Beverly and, and you know, he's going to he's going to try to get you to get some technical fouls. He's going to try to get under your skin and try to take you off your game. How do they handle that? You know, this is a young team. So it's going to be interesting to see who bring who keeps them together, who brings them together um, in those type situations. But but those are the main things I, I really want to see more than anything, how this offense and defense uh, they played this season translates to the postseason. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting in the sense that um, it does feel like this series has a lot of potential um, to be not only compelling on the court, but kind of compelling in terms of the uh, the 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 nonsense, if you will. And I say nonsense in a in an endearing way. You know, like the 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 uh, just the what makes the NBA playoffs so great is like, yes, the game, the game is going to be the games are going to be compelling. But like the postgame press conferences are going to be compelling, too, because you don't know what people are going to say to each other. You know, you're right on the court. It's like between the whistles is going to be compelling. But after the whistle is going to be really compelling, too, um, in terms of. (laughs) You know, you've got a lot of different characters here, whether it's, you know, obviously the Patrick Beverly, John Morant matchup. Okay. That one is, is obviously going to be a spotlight one, uh, because obviously of Jaws, you know, how good he is, um, want also coming off an injury, but also just this, you know, this expectation, you know, based on last year, really last year's playoffs, Mm -hmm. they're like, you know, he's going to have some monster performances in him. Um, you know, like that's just, that's what he did in last year's playoffs as well. Uh, when the state, you know, really when you look at his season, you know, and how he took this leap, if you go back to like the, the play in and the playoffs last year, that's where it really began. You know, like he was, he was, he took his game to another level, even though they lost to the jazz in five. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really compelling, but then you've also got like, you know, Dylan Brooks obviously involved and, you know, Anthony Edwards is a personality, you know, I, I don't know how that's going to play out in a playoff setting. Um, <laughs> but like, he's kind of goofy and funny and, you know, doesn't, he, he seems less menacing, you know, in terms of, you know, he's like much more, he like, it's just, he's compelling. Cause he's like very happy go lucky. Um, but, you know, he, it's a personality in the midst of a playoff series. And, you know, like, I think Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell both are also, you know, Carl Anthony Towns in particular, like a guy who, um, you know, is a really good player on the court, 
um, but also a, a compelling figure off of it. Um, so a lot of them. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of them in this series, and they're all like trying to make a name for themselves. You know, like this is like the trying to make your name for yourself series. It feels like, like <laughs> That's the whoever who, whoever comes out of this is you know gonna be ultimately viewed as the best potentially young nucleus in the NBA. It looks like it's the Grizzlies. They're the two seed. They were the better team all year. But if Minnesota were to win this series, like that's where they would elevate themselves to, you know? Um, so I think, I, I don't think they will, but ultimately um, that's what's at stake here uh, in this, in this first round series. Um, and also in the bigger picture, you know, I think given what the Grizzlies have accomplished, um, Losing this series would be a bit of a disappointment um, against a team that's, you know, not experienced in the playoffs, a team that's kind of got the same age guys as you in a lot of ways, you know, a little bit older, but not much older. Um, And so there's a little bit of there's there's more pressure on the Grizzlies than there is the Timberwolves in this. And so that's another part of this. You take all that together, all I just mentioned, the extracurriculars that could happen, the 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 personalities involved, and then just also the the stakes, if you will, in terms of, of the immediate stakes of of perception. Um, it, it is uh, it's it it creates a situation where I do think there's a little more pressure on the Grizzlies. Like this is. This is maybe the first time this team um, has gone into, you know, gone into a situation like a significant situation and been ex- expected to win. Does that make sense? No, it, I mean, that's exactly what I see, too, Mark. You know, uh, they're expected to win. You know, this is we see a lot of times the Grizzlies enter the playoffs and, and you just you're hopeful more so than now you're expecting this. Like if like you said, if they were bounced in the first round. I mean, I've had some people say, oh, they won 56 games. No matter what happens, you know, beyond this point, this season was historic. And, and you know, that's true to a certain sense. But um, their favorite in this series, their favorites um, in the next round, um, whoever they play, they'll if, if they're not favorites, they'll they'll be expected to win at least, you know, two games like they have a real good shot, you know, at doing something that's never been done. In, in franchise history, and and I know that weighs on a lot of people's minds. But but getting back just to to this series, I mean, they they have they they have a lot of things. You know, you look at the record and you see two and two. But they have a lot of things going in their direction. I think as well, Mark. Like uh, we we talked about, you know, John Morant's stats against the Timberwolves this year. They're they're not you know, good compared to, you know, his numbers against other teams. I believe he's shooting like 33.8% from the field in those four meetings. He's, he made 15% of his three-pointers and no made threes at all in the last three meetings against the Timberwolves. But, you know, I looked a little bit deeper into those numbers and there's actually, you know, there's some success in between those stats as well, Mark. So when he, when he was matched up against Patrick Beverly, uh, this is, you know, stats on NBA.com with the individual defenders. He shot six of 17 when matched up against Patrick Beverly, 16 points, five assists in that time. He was matched up against D'Angelo Russell in less than half as much time 
and scored more points, 19 points against Russell, 8 of 14 shooting. And I think that alone, you know, you can get the matches you want in the playoffs. That's, a, I mean, we've seen, you know, the screens that Steven Adams can, can, can set. And even against Carl Anthony Towns, you know, uh, John Morant was 6 of 10 with 13 points this season uh, scoring against him. So Patrick Beverly is, a, is an X factor there. He can, you know, X out, you know, in, in a lot of ways and kind of like, minimize or kind of slow down John Morant a little bit based on what we've seen so far this season. But it's not hard, you know, when you have Steven Adams setting those like bone crushing screens to to get some uh Carl get some some one-on-ones against Carl Anthony Towns or get out in transition like the Grizzlies love to do. And D'Angelo Russell has to pick up John Morant because Patrick Beverly is on the other side of the court or something like that. So there are some situations like that where in particular, because I think, you know, that John Morant, Patrick Beverly matchup is getting a lot of attention. I think there are some ways that you kind of can work around it more so than having him, you know, matched up one on one with him throughout the entire game. Well, and I also think people I need to look at it from the other side of it. And that one, I, I, I do think there's a scenario where like, listen, Patrick Beverly is going to be a nuisance. He's going to he's going to have a little bit, a little bit of success. I suspect over the course of a seven-game series or whatever, five or six games, whatever it ends up being, <laughs> like, Ja's going to figure it out. Like, yeah, maybe there's a game where he struggles, but, like, he's going to figure it out to a certain extent. And and the, the part I don't think people are looking at also is that Patrick Beverly's presence on the floor also helps them in that he is an obvious person they can hide Ja Morant on on defense. Like and not have to worry about that affecting their defense much mm. because Ja can cover, can defend Patrick Beverly, you know, and That's a good point. you don't yeah. have to put, you don't have to put him on some bigger guy because he can't defend D'Angelo Russell and he can't defend Anthony Edwards. Like, you know, it, it's actually like on that side of the ball, it really works for the Grizzlies because Ja's their weakest perimeter defender and they can, they have a, they have a nice matchup for him. Um, it, it, yeah. And and just like with with that going a little bit deeper on it is these two teams, you know, they're number one and number two in the NBA in scoring. They also are both top five, you know, in terms of the, the pace they play at, like to get out in transition. So if you think how this game is going to be an up and down game, that kind of, you know, you don't expect this many players to play those 41, 42 minutes. Um, and actually have the same amount of energy, you know, in those type of games. But as you just mentioned, John Morant may be able to do that if that's what Taylor Jenkins wants, because you can hide him, you know, on defense, not just because Patrick Beverly is, you know, uh, not going to do as much running around or it's not as big of an offensive threat. But I, I just think people are too worried about him. Like that's not mm -hmm. Patrick Beverly is not who I'm like focused on in this series like his antics are gonna be a focus you know like they, like you're drawn right. to them really and he's kind of you know he's you know he's he plays the yeah. game a way and it, it's, it's hilarious it can be a bothersome but like he's not that good of a player does that make any sense like he, it makes you know sense. like i i just think he can't i don't think he can stick with jaw long term like there might be stretches where mm -hmm. he has success against jaw I don't think he Ja is gonna he's gonna I don't think that's gonna be a problem for Ja the entire series or it's something that's gonna alt that could alter the series. I think there's other things like if you're right. looking at why the Grizzlies 
there's this, the, the scenario where they the Grizzlies lose this series, I don't really think involves – I mean, it would obviously if Patrick Beverly outperformed John Morant, but, like, that's not necessarily the most likely thing that happens, that, like, Ja is completely affected by Patrick Beverly. Yeah, it, and, I mean, just going back to your point, Patrick Beverly was, like, the number one talking point after that win against the Clippers. And, I mean, Mark, he shot two of eight. It had seven points. So, you know, there there is some legitimacy to what you were just saying. Like, Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell, I think, had 30 and 29 in that game. But, you know, there was a lot of talk about Patrick Beverly. And it's because, you know, the antics and, and the energy that he plays with. But, I mean, the Grizzlies have their own guy as well in Dylan Brooks who who brings it in a different way. And, and you know, I think they're one of the few teams, you know, it didn't look like, you know, when Patrick Beverly – turned it up in that fourth quarter from just that energy perspective. It didn't seem like the Clippers had that guy. Uh, we know, you know, with Dylan Brooks, I mean, he talks about it all the time, playing with physicality, playing with energy, bringing the energy. Uh, he's going to be that guy that kind of when Patrick Beverly is doing this whole hoorah thing, uh, Dylan Brooks is going to match it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, look, there's probably going to be a confrontation at some point between Beverly and Brooks or Beverly and Steven Adams. Like, that's just, and Ja, you know, like, Ja's not, there's going to be some yapping. You know that, like, for sure. Um, and I, you know, it'll ultimately be, uh, whatever team, like, there's going to be a team that that probably benefits from the, from the talking, and there's going to be a team that gets uh, distracted by it. And, you know, I, ultimately, so far this year, the Grizzlies have been a team that, you know, it's a motivating factor for them, that sort of, that stuff, if you will, um, it makes them play better. Um, the Timberwolves also to a certain extent, but you know, the difference between the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies, I think is when you watch, when you look at the totality of their seasons, like I think the Timberwolves have at times played, you know, as at a level, the Grizzlies have played at, but they haven't done it nearly as consistently as the Grizzlies have. Like, you know what I mean? Like they've had more, you know, like that's people are, people when they look at this Timberwolves team, you look at it. I mean, the season series, it was a two, two series, neither team won on the road. Um, mm-hmm. and it includes the worst loss of the season for the Grizzlies. They lost by 43 to the Timberwolves. Now they credit that with helping kind of turn around, get the season where it ended up getting to, um, that particular game. But, um, and, but, Dylan Brooks, by the way, you brought him up, had, did not play in any four of those games. He has not right. played against the Timberwolves this year. And so that brings you to what I think are going to kind of like everyone's focusing on the job Beverly thing. When I think it's that match, the two guys you mentioned, the matches up matchups on the wing slash perimeter with D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards, who is Dylan, who are they going to put Dylan on in that situation? Or is it the thing where he's defending whoever's rolling? How are you going to, how are you going to match up there? And then, you know, so, so, and then in addition to that, as part of that key sort of matchup, it also goes to Desmond Bain and DeAnthony Melton in terms of their, one of those guys is going to be covering the other one. You know, um, mm-hmm. personally, I think you probably start with Dylan Brooks on Anthony Edwards just because the body type profiles match up better. You know, and you maybe start Bane on D'Angelo Russell with the thought of if I need to, I can move Dylan onto D'Angelo Russell if need be. Mm. Um, 
But ha- what, what do you make of that? Because D'Angelo Russell yeah. killed the Grizzlies during the regular <laughs> season. Anthony Edwards um, played well in spurts, had some great halves, if I recall yeah. correctly, against yeah, the right. Grizzlies. Um, what what do you make of, of how the Grizzlies uh, sort of deploy and 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 deal with those matchups on the wing slash perimeter there because you know mm-hmm. the Timberwolves that that's you know they've got a big three and it's D'Angelo Russell it's Anthony Edwards and it's Carl Anthony Towns and we'll get to Towns in a second but w- what do you make of that I think you know my perspective is I think you start him on D'Angelo Russell and and because you know you know we, we talked to Dylan Brooks a couple days ago and when we talked to him, he was talking about, you know, the physicality that, that we just mentioned earlier. And with that physicality, he talked about wearing down a player over the course of the game. And D'Angelo Russell was going to have the ball in his hands a lot more than, you know, Anthony Edwards. They run stuff, Anthony Edwards. Sometimes he does the pick and roll. But but D'Angelo Russell is going to have the ball more times than not. And in the games we have seen, you know, where it's against the Grizzlies and that, that recent game against the Clippers, D'Angelo Russell was the main closer in each of those games. You know, in that game, they beat uh, the Grizzlies uh, in, in February. Uh, D'Angelo Russell had, I believe, 17 points in the fourth quarter, 19 points in the fourth quarter. He was he was great in the fourth quarter of that game. And then in this game against the Clippers, you know, he kind of closed that one out, too. But I think if you put Dylan Brooks on him and you keep Dylan Brooks on him for the majority of the first three quarters, you have that ability to try to wear him down to the point when when the fourth quarter comes, he, you know, he has, you know, some more tired legs or and, and you know, th- that type of thing. And he's not as effective. I think that's how Dylan Brooks, you know, views his impact more so than just stopping a guy through the first three quarters. He's trying to wear them down over the course of a game. So when you get to that final stretch, they don't have much left. I think there's a better chance of him doing that on D'Angelo Russell since he'll have the ball in his hands more. Now, of course, you know, if, if Anthony Edwards gets hot, you you probably want to switch him out on him from time to time. But I think there's a better chance of success with him guarding D'Angelo Russell, not only even just because slowing him down, wearing him down from the scoring perspective, but D'Angelo Russell also averaged seven assists against the Grizzlies too. So uh, you don't want him to get easy opportunities to find his teammates as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And well, and and then the other big matchup, I think, is is obviously, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. going against Carl Anthony Towns down low. Right. You know, how how you know how much is Jaron matched up with him one on one? I think it'll be a decent amount. Um, so um, and that, you know, it feels like to me, Towns that, you know, I mentioned earlier, like what are the matchups that could swing a series? And like to me, if like Towns is a 30 and 10 guy, which I know that sounds kind of ridiculous, but like <laughs> he's capable of that, you know, like him averaging that over, it sounds absurd to think he would average that over an entire series. And it's why ultimately when we get to, when we get here in a second, pick the series, why I'm picking the Grizzlies. I don't think he can be, but he's capable of doing it. Um, and so I think, um, he to me is the biggest swing player. I know I was, I actually came away impressed with the Wolves in the play-in, the fact that they won that game basically with Carl Anthony Towns giving them almost nothing, you know, like giving them essentially had a good five-minute stretch in the third quarter, and that's it. 
um, and they won that game over the Clippers. Um, like he feels like the swing guy to me in this series. Like ultimately, if the Grizzlies can limit his production, that's the guy who puts this T Wolves team over the top. That's why he's the All Star. Um, and uh, if you limit him, I think you're going to be okay. Yeah, and and we watched, you know, in that Clippers game, I thought it was interesting because you saw they started him off with the small ball matchup. Like, they they put those 6'8", six, 6'9", six, wings uh, on Carl Anthony Towns, and they had success. You know, he was trying to bully them, and he got some offensive fouls, and they had, you know, the bigger defender kind of flanked back. And we've seen, you know, a lot of teams, I even asked, you know, Taylor Jenkins about this earlier this season because we've seen a lot of teams kind of try to guard Carl Anthony Towns with, with a little bit smaller, you know, fours, and, and Jared Vanderbilt, I think it's more, you know, it's because of it, Vanderbilt's skill set as well. You know, he's a monster rebounder. So that's someone that the Grizzlies going to have to keep off the boards, uh, you know, having to guard him as well. But, you know, how they match up against him, against Carl Anthony Towns, that is, is, is definitely one of the biggest factors. And I think the Grizzlies have, have kind of a unique, you know, situation because with the Clippers, they had to, you know, get a 6'8 guy uh, – with some mobility to stay in front of towns. Well, the Grizzlies actually have a six eleven guy who plays power forward and Jaron Jackson Jr. who has the mobility and and can stay in front of Carl Anthony Towns. So I think, you know, my, my concern, match- my concern though, DeMichael. The fouls? It, yes. Is that <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns could play Jaron Jackson off the floor a little bit if he gets mm-hmm. into foul trouble. And we've seen this Grizzlies defense dip significantly when Car- when Aaron Jackson Jr. is not on the floor. Yeah, so so I think you do it in spurts, you know. You 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 probably do it late in the fourth. Of course they're going to do it in the fourth quarter when they go to the closing lineup and it's Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark out there. Um they'll do it then and you try to, you know, find the right situations throughout the game. You know, Taylor Jenkins mixes up defenses uh, a lot. He, he he throws a lot of different coverages out there. He's not the type of coach who's going to stay in, you know, uh, one or two uh, coverages throughout the majority of a, of a quarter or a half. So I think you just throw a bunch of different looks at him. But but you, you can start him off with Steven Adams. But, I mean, Steven Adams is a little bit slower. So we'll see how that matchup goes because Carl Anthony Towns, one of his best attributes is taking, you know, those big slower bigs off the dribble. And when he gets to the rim, you know, he's hard to stop. And he creates, you know, those fouls that we're talking about with Jaron Jackson. So that's why a lot of teams try to, you know, put those smaller guys on it because you take away one of his biggest advantages, which is going off of the dribble. And, and you know, Jaron Jackson has that capability. Even, you know, Brandon Clark, you know, in a, in a way could do some of that as well. So, um uh, that's something I, I can't wait to see, too, how they match up against him. You know, who who's going to be the primary defender on Carl Anthony Towns for the most part? If some guy isn't, you know, having a good day against him, who's the next guy that they go to? Yeah, absolutely. No, and then I think in general, as you look at this series, you know, it, it's funny. In some form or fashion, you know, like the top three of the Grizzlies and the top three of the Timberwolves are, you know, comparable in terms of, like, impact. You know, Jaws probably the best player in the series, but you know, Carl Anthony Towns is an all star. Um, and you know, D'Angelo Russell and uh, and Anthony Edwards are, you know, I'd say comparable to whether it's you know, Jaron and and Dylan, who you think are the top three on the Grizzlies, or Jaron and Bain, 
You know, like mm-hmm. I, I would take the Grizzlies still, but it's like comparable. Um, where I think the biggest difference in this series is going to show up is four through ten uh, in the rosters. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't I think agree. the Timberwolves, when you watch them, have that. Have, they don't have much behind those three. You know, in turn, you know, like those three are great, and like Beverly, you know, has his moments. Um, Beasley, like, not, yeah. what? I was saying Malik Beasley as a three-point shooter is like their best offensive weapon outside of those three guys. Uh, there's yeah. just there's not a like, lot there in terms yeah, like of like Jared my- Vanderbilt's interesting defensively, but get, you know right. gives you nothing on offense. Um, <laughs> I you know I, I like I think ultimately as you as I look at this series, there's a reason why I I wanted to play I wanted to play this team because I I don't think I don't think they're ready. One I don't think their roster is good enough at this point to like the Grizzlies roster, I think is a, just a better roster top to bottom than this Timberwolves team. They have a lot more things that they can do and counter with given all everything they've got on their team. Um, and if they're, if they're just shooting okay from three point range, I, I think they're going to win this series in four or five games. That's what I think the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a good point. Uh, I think, I think six, Mark. Uh, six is my number uh, because, you know, you talked about the home court advantage. I could see it going somewhere, you know, two games, uh, the first two, maybe the Grizzlies way, or if it goes 1-1, one, one, uh, the Grizzlies, you know, will win those last two games after it's 2-2 two, two at some point. But I think, you know, I, Taylor Jenkins, you know, we've seen the his ability to make adjustments. That's one thing just from the mind perspective. I, I can't wait to just see uh, how he adjusts to whatever – you know, the Timberwolves throwing him and, and Finch, you know, Chris Finch with the Timberwolves is a good coach at doing the same things as well. But but we see it up close a lot more with, with Taylor Jenkins. And I, I, I say six games. Uh, I'm, I, I think, you know, we mentioned those big three players, but they have, you know, guys like, you know, Malik Beasley. I mean, he had a game where he made, what, 11 three pointers, 13 three pointers, whatever the number was like he he just shot insanely from three point range. He's one of the top three point shooters and three pointers made uh, this season. Uh, I'm sure he's going to have at least one game where he's just, you know, on fire. Where he makes probably five or six three-pointers and, you know, he kind of carries the bench. And then they have a, a couple other guys who who are capable of that. I think that they have enough talent to to etch out one game for sure. I'm just going to say two because, uh, you know, they're a 46-win team. But I, I think, you know, even if the Grizzlies win in six, it's it's not a – you know, a stressful six, you know, you, you get to game six and you have a pretty good idea that this team's going to uh, close it out and, and look forward to that second round matchup. So, Michael, I think we're making one trip to Minneapolis for two games. <laughs> the, the, the Timberwolves are going to win game three, Grizzlies in five. They close it out. They close it out at FedEx Forum. That's how I see this going. I, 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 I hear you, but if they if they close it out in Minnesota, can, can you imagine um, – how they'll walk off the court. It, and, I mean, Mark, I, we saw how the, how the Timberwolves celebrate. I don't think the Grizzlies will celebrate like that. But, but you know, Patrick Beverly, and that we didn't mention this, in that last meeting when the Timberwolves beat the Grizzlies, he kind of, uh, you know, mocked the Grizzlies for their, you know, their whole um, trash-talking thing. He was like, oh, you know, no, no trash talk today, Grizzlies. You, you basically, you know, said they had nothing to say. You know, after that win, and, and you know, you know, the Grizzlies players saw that. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, I don't think there's like we'll see. We're we're recording this on uh, 
Thursday before the Grizzlies speak. And there's no doubt whether, whether they admit they don't like the Timberwolves or not, they don't like the Timberwolves. Okay. Like that. Let's just make that clear. Okay. Like that's, you know, like I think they, I think there's plenty from both sides, plenty of sort of, you know, playoff resentment, if you will. Like, you know, I'm sure like if they see each other on the street, they're fine. But like in terms of like the playoff drama resentment type left stuff, like there's plenty of ammunition there for both sides to kind of load up. And that's why it's it's going to be a fun series no matter how it goes, um, because I, I think there's a lot of entertaining personalities involved here. Uh, but ultimately, I, I just think the Grizzlies are a much better team than the Timberwolves. But we'll see. Um, the Timberwolves certainly have some some young stars capable of stealing a game, two, three, making it a really compel- making a really tough series um, mm-hmm. as well. Like there, there's a lot going on. We'll have tons of coverage of all of this over at commercialappeal.com. We do have tons of coverage already. Uh, make sure you're checking it out. Um, it, because there's a lot going on here. Um, not just this, we haven't, we didn't even get to really talk about it to Michael, but there's, uh, the, the new lease, uh, agreement or adapted lease agreement over at FedEx forum means the Grizzlies, uh, are not in jeopardy of, uh, leaving anytime soon. Um, and in fact, I would argue, you know, my quick take on it would be, uh, that, they wouldn't have uh, agreed to renegotiate the lease if they were had any real interest in leaving. Um, the biggest, you know, the to me, what's shocking here is that, you know, ten years later, uh, almost since Robert Pear bought the team, the thing I think is, you know, as long as Robert Pear owns the team, I, you know, I don't think you really have much to worry about. Um, <laughs> right. The thing to worry about is if he decided he wanted to sell the team because you don't know what someone else would want to do. Um, so, um, there's my quick take on that. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so lots going on, lots of coverage, uh, over at commercialpeel.com of everything going on Grizzlies related. Um, DeMichael's doing a great job. Evan Barnes has been, uh, chipping in as well. Um, so make sure you are reading everything we are writing in addition to listening to this podcast. Uh, DeMichael, any last thoughts on this, uh, Timberwolves series? Uh, uh, that's it. You know, um, we'll we'll be back with more from 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 this series over the course of this series. So you'll hear from us again. Uh, you know, throughout the course of this series. But but yeah, this is this is an exciting matchup. This is definitely an exciting matchup. This is probably the most fun matchup that the Grizzlies could have gotten in the first round from an experience perspective and from that mental perspective. Perfect. Till next time. I was Mark. That was DeMichael. Thanks so much. And uh, maybe next time we talk to you next week, uh, Grizzlies are uh, up one nothing on the Timberwolves. We shall see. Saturday, 2.30, FedEx Forum. Thanks for joining us. The Grizzlies Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. 
Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.